Well, again, it's good to see everybody here. Um, so the Life at Six, well, we've been running a few uh, series, and this one we're up to now is In the World, um, and it says up on the side, Connecting Without Compromising Your Faith. Um, and so for those who haven't been here for the first part of the series, we've already covered three sessions. Uh, the first one was one done by Rebecca, which was on identity. The second one is done by Rory, which was done on what do you worship. And the third was done by Jono last week, which was done on intimacy. Uh, This series here looked at the book of Daniel. And so it looked at the first six chapters. Chapters 1 to 6 is pretty much telling a story. Chapters 7 to 12 is a bit more about Daniel's visions. Um, So we're just looking and focusing on chapters 1 to 6. And so tonight I'm continuing with the fourth session. uh, And I've put it under the title. It's a little bit niggly. So essentially it started out as the values of living in community. I decided to kind of switch it around a little bit and change it to, changing it to, to advancing and establishing God's kingdom through living in community. So this is a big part of Christianity, and it's quite a significant part to the foundations um, that we build our values and our lifestyles on. Um, and so what I felt to share on tonight is that this is, this is a bit of a niggly one. So Daniel isn't is what, what I would see is more of an individual character. So when it comes to talking about community, it's a bit interesting because they're, in, they're captive. Uh, Babylon pretty much destroyed Judah, took all the land, and has pretty much abstracted those who look healthy, fit, um, and those who could serve in the royal court. So to be honest, it's not, not your most ideal situation to be talking about community and potentially a godly community at that. However, there is a few aspects which is so, so valuable to living in a community. And so when I say community, what I'm really talking about, what I felt like I needed to highlight tonight was a church community or a community that involves or has people that are like-minded and share and obtain the same values and um, perspectives that you would have. So with that, the purpose of my message is, just so you can get it clear, um, again, which is a little bit something I sense to share is, I just wanted to uh, share an encouragement uh, to seek a bigger picture beyond yourself. It's very, very easy, and I know this myself personally, especially with studying in there. It's very easy to be narrow-minded and to miss what's going on around you. So what I hope is that what I share tonight just kind of sparks a different perspective. Um, Another thing is I also wanted to encourage uh, a sense to mature your faith as your age matures. Um, now, that could be quite a funny one to, to share because it goes with different generations. Different generations will take that per, like different ways as well. Um, but the key aspect with that one there is to do mature it together, which is where living in community comes in. So, as I said, there was a few examples in Daniel which highlights this. The first one's when they are... Um, uh, being trained, I guess you could say, for the royal court, and they don't want to eat the meat. This one isn't the one I'm going to highlight tonight or talk on more so. It's going to be the second one, which is in chapter 2. Now, this one here, Kingdom and Nebuchadnezzar. Now, sorry, for those who haven't been part of the series before or don't know the book of Daniel, essentially it runs through and there's a few other sort of dreams and visions and the king. It's it's quite a symmetrical kind of uh, layout, so I would encourage you to read it. It's an easy read. It's not too hard. But essentially, the second chapter goes through where King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. 
And no one else can interpret it. Magicians, none of the wise men can interpret it. So he sends out an order to kill them. Uh, and so that'll be the one I'll go on tonight. The third one, which is something that I'd again encourage you to look into, but I won't have time to go into tonight, is when um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are sent to the blazing furnace for not honoring or worshipping the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had put in place. Um, so amongst those three things, there is a common theme where they draw on each other's strength to get through that, to get through that trial, to get through that situation that could have turned and been something a little bit more ugly than it ended up being. So for those who've got their Bibles or wanting to read along, I'm going to look at chapter 2, verse 17. So this one here, um, so I'm going to skip a little bit. I'm going to skip a little bit of where the king orders the de- um, or declares that they're all going to be killed and wiped out, and I'm going to jump to straight when Daniel returns to his house. Um, then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends. Now, I don't, this won't be up here, but so I'm going to stop there just quickly. Um, one thing with me, and this might be something that a lot of people struggle with, is pronouncing names in the Bible. So I, yeah, yeah. So I do appreciate mum and dad, thank you, that I watch VeggieTales. Um, yeah, so I'm going to refer to them as, sh- um, so the, the Babylonian names that his friends were given, so Daniel and his three mates, the three mates were given the names Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm going to refer to them as uh, Rack, Shack, and Benny. Yeah, yeah. You follow? Cool, cool, cool. Okay, so then it goes, Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Rack, Shack, and Benny. He urged them to plead for mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the mystery... Uh, during the night, the mystery was ve- revealed to Daniel in a vision. Daniel praised the God of heaven. Now it goes on and he, he runs to the king and he, he interprets a dream, the dream. He uh, pretty much explains that the, the dream itself was a warning. Um, and it, it kind of goes through. So I'll just skip to verse 46. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings. And a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position, lavished, lavished him with many gifts. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Rakshak and Benny administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. So I did skip a bit in between, but essentially what happens is Daniel does well. <laughs> does well in pretty much interpreting the dream, helping Nebuchadnezzar, um, and as a result, he is praised. Now, so coming back to what I felt to share tonight, which was step, uh, advancing and establishing the kingdom of God through living in community. Um, so the initial part of this is very, very important. It's probably the key part that I wanted to highlight is that he ran back to his friends. Um, by running back to his friends and uh, pl- like pleading with them to pray. Sorry, I'll phrase that. Yep. So he explained the matter to his friends and urged them to plead for mercy. That's the, probably the key part that I wanted to highlight. Um, 
And I'm going to break it down. So the title that I had said was Advancing and Establishing. So if I break it down to advancing first, essentially across from this example, a miracle took place and God's name was praised. So advancing is making making progress, moving forward in a a purposeful way, uh, and essentially taking the next step to improve something. By a miracle taking place, Something has improved. Something has happened that wasn't happening or wouldn't have happened unless somebody had done something to make it happen. The prayer itself is what brought the miracle. Establishing is another key aspect to the phrase, advancing and establishing God's kingdom. So establishing is a little bit more of a tricky one. Establishing essentially means, this is what I found in the dictionary, it means setting up on a firm or permanent basis. And the classic way to think about this is to think of our government. It has to be established for it to have power. Another thing to think about, and this is classic from me, for those who don't know me, I do structural or civil engineering, and I want to look at structures when I finish. Um, You have to establish a foundation before you can advance and build on top of it. So once something has been established, it can then be advanced. So... What the establishing point for in this example doesn't happen at the beginning, it happens at the very end when the king praises his name. So, the establishing point happened after Daniel and his mates advanced by stepping into prayer, seeing the miracle happen, and then delivering that to the king. It was once when he said, once he praised Daniel and actually ended up seeing the fruits of it, and I unfortunately haven't got it on here, but I'm pretty sure it further goes and says it honors God's name. And that itself established God in the royal court. And for those who read on further, you'll find that his name is continuously established throughout the chapters. So, um, which is very, very important to when I say advancing and establishing God's kingdom. His kingdom was established. He moved, he manifested, and that in itself led on to many, many more blessings in the kingdom. The third point that I wanted to make in looking at that, which comes to the more the community aspect, is that there is a power in praying in numbers. So um, this one probably only shows a real glimpse of it, a small example, but if you read and further and through in the Bible, um, it says in Matthew 18 verse 20, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So that, that comes in many, many different ways. So God will always manifest when, his, when you are in together and you're praising his name. So by Daniel going to his friends and his friends and him praying, immediately God will be with them. Um, the second part of that, so overall the point that I'm trying to make here is that you draw strength from God, not only God, but from the people around you. So by doing that is actually going to them, asking them, praying with them, investing time into the relationship to the point that when you are in trouble, you can actually go to them and draw strength off them. So that was the first thing they did when they were at the threat of death. They drew from each other's faith and strength. And an important note is that though all, but all of them prayed, only one of them was the one that got the vision. So this is 
this is kind of steaming out a little bit now. Um, so what ends up happening is when you work, or when, for example, we're all a part of a church. However, we might all pray together, but how many of us will actually really receive a vision or receive that one key word that will then be the thing that leads into the next next era? Probably maybe only one or two of us. And even if it's the case where all of us receive something, maybe only one of them might be shared in front of the church. So what, what I'm trying to say here is there's power in community and power in prayer, but God will manifest in many, many different ways that we can't expect. And so by, by that, what I'm trying to say is, is God will work in mysterious ways, as we've seen here. However, the power of community is still just as important. So this point here where it says, drawing from the strength of God, from not only just from your God, but from your surrounding community. Um, one of the main parts that was kind of my, on my heart when I was trying to write this out is that this point's very important not to take in the way where you only just take, 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 take. Part of what you want to do is you want to invest into the relationships. You want to invest by serving them. You want to invest by spending time with them, by uh, getting to know them, not on just a spiritual level and just on a Christian level or just at church, for example, but outside of church. Get to know them personally. Spend time with them and invest into that. Because from that, the relationship is formed from investing even through the tough times. By then, when you are in a troublesome time, you're drawing from a relationship that's strong, reliable, and stable. Just because we might run different races. Now, this is a term that I actually heard Carl say. Um, So for those who don't know, I'm actually not from Christchurch. I'm actually from up north. So I come from a different church, and I've been to a few different churches growing up. And it's really, really interesting. Each church has its own, own flair. And one really good way that was put is each church runs its own race. It has its own lane, almost. But it doesn't mean to say that we're not all part of the body of Christ. So just because we may run different races, we might have different lifestyles, we might be in different places, different times, have different hardships, it doesn't mean to say that we can no longer be part of a church community. So I'll repeat that verse as well. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am. We are designed for relationships. We are called to be a part of a community. And as, as I sort of said, the quick imagery before, which is a classic, a great way to think about it is the body of Christ. We all might be a, part, a different part of the body and have a different function. It may be a slightly different small purpose, but we're all part of this one big body. Got a bit more time, I might go into one of the other examples. Okay. So another classic way of thinking about it is, who, I'm assuming a lot of people would have heard about um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that, have been, that were chucked in the blazing furnace. Great. So that's another classic example. They drew, so the thing is, the chance of one of them sending them up 
and standing up to the king and following through in that probably wouldn't have been as high as if all three of them did it. There was power in all three of them standing up in their faith and actually making a stand. And in that, there was such a miraculous turnaround in that situation. It ended up not being three people in the blazing furnace. It ended up being four. That was one of them. The second one was that the blazing furnace was heated up so much that they were not burnt in the end, but those who chucked them in were. They were killed. The other miracle of that is they walked out, no singed material, no burns, nothing, no smell of smoke. That in itself is a crazy miracle. And in that, that God's kingdom was advanced. King Nebuchadnezzar ended up praising God again. His kingdom was established. So this is a second one. So this has happened a second time now. His kingdom was advanced. His kingdom was established. And it happened by three of them together, standing up in faith and actually pretty much standing up for what they believed in and fighting for that. So the key, the key aspect is, though this happened back in that time and they were crazy miracles, they probably are unlikely to happen again. It can still apply to our lives today. Advancing God's kingdom is interesting because, as I said before, there is many, many aspects around it. And I, with the, f- the first three sessions that we've had on the series, we've talked about our identity, which is really, really important because that's who we are. That's where everything comes from. The second one was about what do we worship, which again is very, very important because that's what ends up changing our perspective almost. The third one was intimacy with God. That's all looking at yourself. And to be honest, that's very, very important when it comes to advancing God's kingdom. Because a community is constructed of many, many individuals. And if you can spend time in, in, uh, investing into your character, developing your character, investing time into your skills and developing your skills, not only are you increasing the abilities that you have, you end up increasing the abilities that community has. So there's a lot of importance in that. Um, another thing too is when it comes to advancing the kingdom of God, you want a strong community, it takes time to serve in the community to develop that community. So not only do you develop and uh, use your gifts, you end up having to input into the community. By inputting into the community, it then leads on to my next point. Not only do you look at yourself, improve yourself, serve in the community, you also need to connect. Because a part of what keeps a community together is the heart of it. So if you can spend time connecting and investing into relationships you'll find that, again, your perspective will change. The community will get stronger and become more effective to advance his kingdom. To the second point. Establishing God's kingdom is is an interesting one, especially now today's society. Um, When it comes to, oh, I know for me personally, sometimes being out in engineering, you know, and back in there at the university, it's very hard to establish what I believe in. The classic ones uh, when it comes to my relationship. It's very, very interesting. They don't understand why I do certain things the way I do. But by establishing it and sticking to it, they've now got an idea, oh, wait, there's another way of doing things. God actually does that. Well, what does that mean? What is Christianity? So I've established a question of curiosity. It's almost like planting a seed. And to be honest, you'll never know where that seed grows, but you've established a foundation for them so that when they next time they interact with a Christian, they might learn something more. 
The next time they might go for switch jobs, they might interact with another Christian, they'll learn more. So by planting a seed, you're establishing that foundation for them. So that's what it could look like. And that's for me being at university. But I mean for the workforce at homes, a part of families who maybe aren't Christian as well. It applies to that too. And the last point that I want to make tonight as well, which again comes to that third point that I've kind of been highlighting, is drawing your strength not only from God, but from your surrounding community. Now, I related that back to the example in the book of Daniel, but now I want to relate it back to our lives. So one, one thing I have, I've learned a lot of is that if you're wanting to invest and grow these relationships, like I've said before, a great way to do it is to start asking questions. If you're wanting to learn more, seek more, by starting to ask questions and gain answers, you start finding yourself starting to get more connected. Um, and when I say connected, I mean connected with either the pastors or some of the other people in other generations or stronger Christians or people who have been a Christian for a long time and have gained a lot from their upbringing. Uh, by asking questions and seeking God more, you develop your faith. And in a Christian community, that is a very, very big part of where the strength and the heart comes from. Going back to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, or Rakshak and Benny, um, a lot of what they had in the core of all their strength was their faith. Um, a great way to develop that even more is life groups. This church offer life, life, offers life groups, and I know for me personally, this year has been an interesting one. It's the first year I've been a part of a life group. But my ability to connect with people, the connections that I made, is so much more stronger than what it was when I wasn't a part of a life group. Coming up here every Sunday or going to church maybe on the odd occasion doesn't actually increase those connections. What does is time outside of church. Um, another one for me personally, and I hope it would apply to some other people as well, is living in humility. When I say that, what I mean is living in humility allows you to see the bigger picture. You start building up relationships. You start connecting to people. You start seeing things from a different perspective. It's not as self-centered or um, focused on yourself. By that, then you're actually able to draw off other people. You're not too busy thinking that you can just do it by yourself and that it's okay. You can, you can just go in and just do it. You can pray your own time. You can read your own word. You don't need to come to church. You don't need to make the connections. It's easier just to stay at home and game. It's easier just to stay at home and watch stuff on YouTube. By actually being uh, investing into relationships and being humble, you're actually, you're, the, your perspective can be transformed. God can actually move and manifest in that, more so than you being prideful or uh, us being prideful and just kind of, wanting to work in our own way. And that's not to be harsh, it's just to put a different perspective on it. If we can humble ourselves, we can actually see something that's greater than just what we would initially see. So just to, just to recover, just before we finish up, the three main points that I want to share. So the title was Advancing and Establishing God's Kingdom Through Living in Community. There's power in advancing His kingdom there's power in establishing his kingdom. And the best way to do that is to not only draw your strength from God, but to draw strength from the community around us. And the challenge that I set out as part of that is, how are you implementing these three points in your life? How are you serving your community? 
And what are you investing into those relationships around you? What are you investing into your church? What are you investing into your family or your Christian circles or your other friendship circles that you find that assist in that good, good character? And so as I ask the panel to come up, um, I just encourage in Daniel, as I said, there's, there's a few examples. It's not a lot because a lot of it's an individual character aspect. But there's a few examples in there which can then be applied to our lives when it comes to implementing those three points. And I would hope that that's just been a little bit of encouragement. Um, this, is the, this is the first time I've spoken in front of church before, so be with if it was a bit all over the place. But if you can just take those three points away... <laughs> hopefully that's just planted something in your life so that when it comes to looking at the church itself or when it comes to looking at what maybe someone on the platform is sharing, maybe it might plant a different perspective on not necessarily what I'm saying word for word, but the heart that's behind it and the God that's behind it as well. Yeah, so thank you for listening. Awesome. Well, kia ora and welcome to Life at Six. This is our Life at Six Life Talk panel, if you haven't been here before. Um, just a chance for you to ask some questions um, around what is this community? What does it mean to live in community? Maybe to advance um, and establish this kingdom of God that Michaela's talked about tonight. So if you would like to um, kind of engage with what we're talking about, if you just want to sit back and listen, that's awesome as well. But flick through a message um, to this number on the screen. On the panel tonight, we have Paul Cargill. Uh, who's one of our associate pastors here at church. We have Michaela, I'm Jeremiah, and this is Leisha. Welcome, guys. So I'm just going to jump in with um, a few different questions. Please feel free to to argue or debate or have a different perspective, as Michaela was sharing about tonight. Living in community, we can all have so many different perspectives and and how we actually do that. Um, When when I talk about community, you talked about living in a group um, of like-minded people. I guess I want to put it out to, to you. How do you begin to find a group of people that you can be vulnerable and honest with, a group that you can connect with and be the people that you have around your life? Like, how do you go about establishing that community in your life, in your different areas? Um, well, for me personally, um, I mean, it always depends on your personality. Everybody's different. Everybody connects with people differently. Um, I know for me, it just took literally walking into church. Um, actually, Young Adults Camp was the first thing that I got to interact with everybody. So getting involved in like events or um, serving in the church is a really, really good way to interact and actually connect with people. Because what you'll find is when you're serving with people, you'll find that they're serving for the same reasons you are. Yeah. And another point is uh, the life groups, which I kind of m- mentioned before, and actually Paul runs them, so he'll know more than I do. But um, they're a great way because you're in a small group. Sometimes being in a big crowd, it's harder to connect with people. But if you can find out the little groups or the little uh, the little places where people catch up or um, young adults hang out is another good one. Yeah. So they're just a few examples in our church. I think also um, being vulnerable. If you can be vulnerable with a group of people and you feel that they accept you and love you, then it's obviously the place to stay. But if you're vulnerable and, and you, th- you realize I'm obviously not really suited to this group, so 
I'll find somewhere. So else. does that mean just walking up to a random person and going, "Here are my problems." Yeah, I, ca- uh, I carry my here's list what I all the time. With. This is you just carry your list around. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Here it is. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, it doesn't mean just walking up to someone and sharing no. everything we have yeah. and laying it all out there. So how how do you? What is a wise way, I guess, to slowly establish that group? Like, how do you how do you recognise those people? It's being in that group in the first place, making yourself. Right. You've got to front up. You've got to be there. You can't stay at home. Um, I was reading this week, actually, that uh, someone, a professor from Stanford University of all people, said that isolation is the most potent killer. Right. Interesting. Isolation. I think it's isolation the most potent right. killer. So separating yourself is not going to help. So you've got to be in that place where you're fronting up. You are there. And, and then it is being yourself, right. but also helping others. You've got a problem. I want to help you. And if I can help you, then it's reciprocal in a sense that I'm, Michaela shares a need. You shared that tonight really well. Yeah. Then I'm able to pray for you and help you in your whatever it is, university exams or whatever. Yeah. We've talked about turning, just turning up to church and being uh, available in those groups. Um, Alicia, I'm going to throw it to you as well. Like, do you think that, that that's enough? You know, just, just turning up at church, does that mean I, I am going to have all those people just like that? Uh, I mean, it's not always my experience. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really easy. I loved how you said, um, yeah, changing your perspective. Um, and so if you turn up to church going, I don't know anyone, and it's going to be a real effort to get to know someone, or I'm just going to look like I don't know anyone, then you'll probably draw that reaction. You know, you've, right. it's, it's, it's really hard. And I mean, I'm new here, but it's, I've just noticed that um, community, you can build that yourself as well, even if you are feeling isolated or feeling out of place. So coming here and and, and having so many people be so welcoming, it's made me go, man, I want to be that person too. And if if I'm ever in a situation where I might feel like totally out of my depth or feeling like, oh, I'm feeling uncomfortable, I'll just go, no, there's probably someone else here, so I'll be that warm, friendly face to them. And if everyone reacts that way and acts that way, then, you know, there shouldn't be any issues, but (laughs) it's not always like that. Just just to build on that, um, it's actually so true. And to be honest... If you allow your perspective or your emotions to change, what you'll find is it will start coming out. <laughs> so as you said, it will start turning people away. So a really good way to overcome that, and a, one really good key is, if you're talking to somebody, focus on them. It's a, it's a really good key because the thing is you'll start learning more about them, and then if you start allowing it, the small interactions to add up, you'll find that your perspective will just change your, yeah, the way you think about it, the way you feel about it will just change. There's a verse in the Bible that says if you want to be, have friends, then show yourself to be friendly. Mm. Right. So it starts with you initially. I've got to take the first step. I've got to be friendly. I've got to be everything I want them to be for me. Something that um, I noted down that you were talking about is um, the importance of, in, of actually investing in something and bringing your skills and your character and working on what you have as well. Um, but investing early in the relationships, not just when things get tough and it's like, oh no, all of a sudden I need a group of people to lean on, but actually when my life is going well, um, spending time with my friends, that's one of the best ways that uh, you know, I build a relationship with my friends is when I'm in a great space, we go out and do some fun stuff mm. and we have those shared experiences, mm. those shared connections that mm. when things do turn the other way, we've actually got those, that relationship mm. already kind of established. That's right. Um, and, and, it's, and when you've got that relationship established, people look in on that and envy it. It's right. by your love that you have for one another, they will know that you are my disciples. Right. So as we have that fellowship, we have that community, and, we're, and someone's in a situation where they're in diet, they can see the way that we're connecting and think, well, what is it about you? It's Jesus. Right. That's the area. I mean, let's face it, the four of us, I'm, quite, I'm different to you. 
Yeah. But it's Jesus that makes us brothers and sisters. Effectively, I mean, you came from the North Island, so did I. So we're territory folk, but you know, um, so you know what I mean. So there's, there, but it's it's Christ, and it's Christ right. in us, the love of Jesus. And people look at that, and as as the Lord said, that love will mean that people say, "Hey, you are my disciples," and they'll want that. People right. are longing for community, aren't they? Yeah, they're really hungry for it. They, oh, yeah. I was just going to touch on that. That word "invest" is so key because investing is not something you're getting for yourself. Like, if yeah, it's what can I give, not what can I get. So if you come in and go, man, I just want to serve and I want to, I want to give what God's given me and, and give out to the church, then that's when you're going to start investing and then what you'll get back is community. Like, that's just a given. Yeah, and you'll be surprised where that comes into your life as well. You'll be surprised what happens is when you, when you invest in something, it's like almost tithes. Um, you start investing maybe like a coin. You might invest a, something, but you'll be surprised what ends up coming back and you'll never see it coming. It's that whole aspect, again, and it relates to humility. If you just do something out of a small act of, here's, here's, you know, here's a small bit of kindness, here's, here's my love, here's my interaction, you'll be surprised what happens. As soon as something that you're struggling with, you'll be surprised about the amount of people that will come and help you. They will start gathering. It's, yeah, it's just an incredible thing. I just had this question come through because it's, it's really easy to establish, maybe not really easy, but once you do establish a group of friends, once you do establish a, a community of people, the question says, um, how do you make sure that that group or community doesn't become a clique, but is open and welcoming to outsiders, yeah. and, is this, and is at the same time a place where people can feel safe enough to be vulnerable? Because once you've, you've got that group of friends, and that is your safe place, and that is your place where you are refreshed and refueled, how do you keep it, we want to be open and belonging to people, but how do you keep that while still being vulnerable in that place? You've got to be intentional. You've actually right. got to be intentional and realise that we aren't going to be a clicky group. Life groups, it's easy to, the front room of your home where you're wearing your slippers and it's coffee brewing in the background. It's a really comfortable place and you can think, this is us. And someone new comes in, we actually haven't got a seat for it. Someone wanted to join the panel right now, there's no room. So don't even think about it. So this is, this is us. This is us. We've got a great community going here. But we've got to have that extra chair. We've got to have in our hearts a sense where it's not about us, it's about others. It's about other people, and so we've got to make sure that within our community and with our love of one another, there's always room for someone else, because they need Jesus. Yeah, and if the, yeah, sorry. the whole purpose of investing into a community, and this is probably something I didn't really touch on as much, the reason you're investing into community is to strengthen it, because a church actually goes out and serves everybody else. If you can build up the core of this community, you're building up the power that, well, not building up the power, you're building up a community where God's power can manifest. The stronger this is, that you'll be surprised how much people you'll serve or the influence that you'll have out there. And that, I mean, it could lead into the fact that we end up in having such a significant impact that our whole country will change. If, imagine if every church did that and every church reached out into the community and invested so much time into developing and creating a space where it was inviting people. You're not investing just to make a click and make you guys stronger. You're investing into a place that's going to increase the capacity for those to come in. Yeah. There's a question come in that I want to ask really quickly. Uh, how do you find a group of people or community um, at church, as talking about within the church, without the extrovert, extroverted outlook the panel mentioned? So I'm guessing that's the go and make friends, be friendly. Um, I think most of us are pretty comfortable going up to people, shaking their hand and saying hi. Um, but how should you approach building communities, particularly as an introvert, and to be honest, I don't know because I'm not. <laughs> I love going and meeting new people. So maybe you guys have some insight. How do you 
How do you be, be that welcoming? I'm, I'm always an extrovert, but I mean, I'm married to an introvert. Um, maybe even just like the boldest thing that you can muster up is put your name down to get emails from church or like put your name down to being a life group. And that's the big, the boldest thing you can do. And then you turn up and then you hope that there'll be people that will be friendly to you, that us extroverts can go, welcome, you know, like, and, and, and make that small talk where you kind of don't, you know, yeah. initially do that. So yeah. I don't know. I think it's good. Just those small steps, eh? Just going, hey, I want to be part of a life group. And a life group is such a a great place to actually to do that, to connect in. So, Paul, I'm going to throw it to you. How do I become part of a life group? I'm sat here tonight going, I'm not part of a life group. How? (laughs) Really? Well, this is Felicia. How do I get part of a life group? That's excellent. That's a good question. Um, We do run numbers of life groups, and we have them on our church app listed there, so you can look at that. First thing you do is pray about it. God, lead me. The Holy Spirit is able to lead you to the right group, and uh, where people who love you and all that sort of stuff. But, um, but yeah, it's on the app. But it's also we have a booklet out in the foyer as well uh, that has lists them. And if worst comes to the worst, you can always ask me and Kathy, and we'll help you in your journey to find the appropriate life group. And you might go to one and it doesn't actually fit you. Right. There's no reason you can't go to another one. Don't feel like I failed. That's the end. No, try another one. Try another one. There are folk that have tried two or three, and finally, I was talking with someone this morning. Th- after three attempts, he found the group that he just feels he really fits. Which He didn't give up. He just kept at it. So, do. Yeah, and a, and a bit of you. encouragement to... <laughs> it's recorded on the panel now. <laughs> you heard it here first. A bit of encouragement to those who are introverted is... Um, it's funny, because uh, the life group that I'm a part of, I would have said it was 90% introverted. I would definitely say that those introverts have flourished as well. I mean, they started out, and because I'm a bit of an extrovert, so I felt really out of place, I'm not going to lie. And so I would really struggle to make conversations sometimes. But what ended up happening is that by now coming to the end of the year, it's just so much easier. And the, the thing is, they feel comfortable coming to Life Group and comfortable sharing their opinion, asking questions. And the thing is, it took, it took them a while, but the thing is, it, it, it doesn't count you out if that makes sense a life group or a, a place to serve it doesn't count the introverts out right. sure you've got extroverts up here but it doesn't mean to say that you guys can't be up here too like it doesn't there's no clear cut if that makes sense yeah, yeah. I, we're gonna we're gonna end there but i think that's a great takeaway is that um being welcoming finding a place of belonging being part of a community isn't for one certain person wasn't one isn't for one certain type of people mm. but it is for all one for, all, for everybody um, as Michaela said earlier on, like we were designed for relationships. That's that right. is all of us. That That's is everyone gathered here in the church and all those gathered outside of the church, no matter what um, place in life people are at, um, we are designed to be in community and relationship with others. So thanks, team. I'm going to invite the band to come back up.